Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat. Um, boy, uh, do we have some scalding hot anime takes to get off today. Uh, we are just minutes off finishing most of the shows from the summer 2018 season due to some various uh, scheduling issues. We have to record, the, record this pretty much right away. So, you know, we just wrapped up several episodes minutes ago and uh, we're going to talk about them. So, um yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we're going to we're gonna talk about the shows that just wrapped up and pretty much everything else we've been watching for the summer 2018 season. And to do that, I am joined by uh, this week, G. Yo, yo. We have Marlon. Where's the sun? I haven't seen the sun for like three weeks here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Marlon and I are on the East Coast, which has been basically rainy and miserable ever since the uh, the big hurricane thing hit. You know, we didn't get affected by the hurricane directly, but it's been pretty miserable for the past like two weeks. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, joined at a slightly more reasonable hour this time, we have uh, Zig. Hello, hello. Thank you, Zig. Uh, you know, hopefully no one will yell at you for uh, yelling loudly about anime late into the night this time. But uh... <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry, they yell loudly at me when I'm yelling about anime at any time. Okay, well, <laughs> not much we can do about that, I guess. And, uh, yeah. No, unfortunately, no hero again this week. You know, I, I, that dude's slacking off, I guess. But uh, He's on a boat. <laughs> he's on a he boat. Uh, so, you know, we miss Iroh, but the show goes on. So, um, all right. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the, the summer 2018 shows that have just wrapped up. And, uh, you know, I feel like Marlon and I were just looking at the list. I feel like a lot of stuff ended up getting cut. Not, not not a lot of things survived till the end. So uh it it's been a it's been a pretty variable season, let's say. You know, quality has been all over the shop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I will I'll say that I wa- I watched more shows this season than I honestly expected to, but I'm not sure how happy I am with all of them. So <laughs> Yeah, I you know, I, what does I, that say about the season? That, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I dropped three shows. Like I was watching actually way more than I was expecting, but just stuff kept dra- like drawing me away from them one by one. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of um, good, good, like solid shows to watch, but almost all of them have some kind of like asterisk or caveat to them where that's kind of holding them back yeah. from being like really great. I, I think there's one show this season which I would describe as unqualifiedly great, but we'll yeah. get to that. Mm-hmm. I think we'll agree on that. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's uh, let's dive into it then, and uh, we're gonna start with uh, we're gonna touch base with Banana Fish. So I guess this is gonna be all me. But uh, maybe maybe the show with the biggest asterisk of all. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some very large asterisks attached to this one. Uh, but yeah, first let me just say uh, it is continuing into next season. So. Um, and I am actually an episode or two behind, but they did have their big kind of mid-season climax already. And, mm. you know, the question of this show has always been since day one is all the kind of graphic violence and, you know, references to sexual abuse and all the really bad things in the show worth it. And 
you know, I would still say no overall, but they did have kind of like their big payoff moment in episode 10 where, you know, the good guys are put in their lowest moment. Uh, you know, our hero Ash has been kidnapped along with his friends, you know, spoilers, they murder his best friend and right hand man. Who's the best character in the show. They nice. steal his boyfriend and they're going to sell him as a sex slave. And <laughs> dude has oh, just, man. our dude has just had enough. And he, stuff, and he goes like full action hero commando style on the, like, <laughs> The, oh, the enemy man. base. I'm talking like ripped shirt with bullets strapped across his chest. <laughs> <laughs> giant assault, giant assault rifle, hand grenades. Uh, that's kind of good. And he just, Could you just superimpose in that scene from Commando where Schwarzenegger kills like a billion dudes? Right. I mean, that's kind of what I'm. Pretty, that's kind of what I'm imagining much, here, yeah. right? Is uh, yes, this is pretty much what happens. I guess he, this is he, 80s America. He, huh? Yeah, he he st- he storms the base. He gets his boyfriend. They even have like the moment where the, his boyfriend's like, "Oh, give me a gun so I can help him." He's like, "No, I don't want you to get your hands dirty." You know, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's so uh, like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it's so like. Well, he, his boyfriend has not killed anybody uh, yet, but the the because uh, he he's like the kid. He was the pole vaulter kid from Japan that we uh, uh, yes. a lot of times. But uh, yeah, the, uh, but you know, it's like it was just like this. It's very basic sort of, you know, emotional math where you make the bad guys as like despicable and disgusting as possible and then you give them what they deserve. And, you know, in other situations, I would be a lot more critical about how let's like dumb and basic that is. But Banana Fish is at its best when it is like over the top, like pulp. Yeah action stuff. I mean, where... it doesn't it from everything I've heard, it doesn't sound like a show where like which is odd because it's ostensibly a romance but like it doesn't sound like a show where where like the subtle nuances of character interaction are what you're really there for you're there for when it's going gonzo right right um yeah that's it just to air my thoughts real quick it sounds like i don't know it sounds like banana fish when it is the thing we all thought it would be at the start is kind of when it's at its best and maybe when it's trying to tackle some of its more suspect areas is perhaps where it falls flat because you talk about the sequence where this dude is like going fucking yeah Schwarzenegger commando on these fools like an 80s action movie and I'm thinking like oh man is there like a you know is there a lock and load montage right where he's like putting on the vest and like oh yes there was definitely facing up his boots yes because he he breaks he breaks into like the enemy arsenal once he gets out. Oh man! And he has that whole segment where he's you know locking and loading and put strapping on the bullets and everything. It's it's all there. See, okay. All of that shit sounds fucking fantastic, man. Like, so, I guess I don't know. It, it seems like a shame then that uh, its other areas are not as. Or I guess how do I put it? Like, I just want to see an it a case, movie. Yeah, is it a case where? maybe it's one of those shows that shouldn't have tried to be self-serious. Like, would it have been better if it had leaned fully into its 80s America action pastiche? Yeah, I I think the problem isn't even so much that it, it does get serious because some of the, like, the actual, like, there's a lot of, like, crime drama stuff going on, too, with, like, you know, 
different crime families at odds with each other. And they, they introduced this other interesting character who's kind of like much more morally gray sort of playing both sides type of character, which has made things kind of interesting. But um, I think they just went too far with some of the other elements that we talked about last time where we didn't really need the graphic detail about Ash's past involving being involved with child pornography and all that. Like that didn't really add anything to right. the story that, you know, you could have either not been as explicit about it or, you know, not even, or found some other way to make us care. Like they didn't have to go that far. They just yeah. went too far with some of that stuff. And that it, it makes it hard to, I mean, you can't just ignore that. Right. I mean, that's like, it makes it hard to just give this a clean recommendation then. And I think maybe that's probably my main problem with it. And you know, you're, you're, you are right. The, the more serious stuff is kind of the weaker elements where I'd much rather just have, you know, Ash links in his giant gun, you know, fighting, fighting for, <laughs> to protect his boyfriend. And, you know, but I, I feel like the question with the question with these things always is like you know would the would the stupid stuff be as fun if it weren't contrasted with the at least attempts at being serious you know like do we like it because the like ridiculous stuff is genuinely great or is it just it's way more fun than the stuff it's set against you know like I haven't seen the show I, I, this isn't a judgment either way but you know I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate on that side of it yeah, no, if, if, if we hadn't had the buildup, like I said, where we made the, the villains as, you know, as disgusting and despicable as possible, then, I, you know, that wouldn't have been as nearly as satisfying a payoff when Ash just destroys their base. Uh, but I guess to my point was in establishing the bad guys, pretty much the only tool they had to establish is that these people rape children that, right. that's like and, that was like their only t- that was the only tool in their tool and, box. And that's like, sort of i feel like we could have like, uh, I, I can't believe i'm saying this but i i feel like like in anime especially like you know i'm kind of getting numbed to like x is a creepy raper as a as a bad character trait you know it's just so such an omnipresent shortcut to make someone seem like the right evil, right it's so people. like ridiculously over the top right I mean, it is, like, let's be honest, it is the villain equivalent of rape as a backstory, right? Like, it is yeah. the cheap way to be like, oh, this guy is really bad because this is what he does. And to, to go into that a little bit more, I almost feel like, you don't, I feel like this show could, I mean, I think this show could have just taken, or again, I only watched like two episodes, <laughs> but the way you talk about it, Joe, I almost wonder if this show could have been better if it had fully leaned even further into its 80s action, you know, America pastiche. And, you know, like you look at, you know, like Hans Gruber or Bennett or, you know, like any of these like, you know, famous villains from like 80s action movies or I guess 90s. And it's like, they're bad people, but, you know, you don't fucking see them raping kids on screen, you know, like you don't need to see that to know they're bad people. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean, Sorry, part of the appeal of someone like, say, Hans Gruber is that, you know, the evil is hidden beneath a veneer of, like, not respectability, but charm, smugness. Sure, you know, sure. I, but but that's like, what I mean, is it's still unbelievably satisfying, though, when Bruce Willis finally gets up there and, you know, fucking gets that dude. Right. But, like, you don't need so, him um, to be, like, engaging in these, like, you know, absolutely, you know abominable behavior on screen anyways to communicate that yeah and and 
it's tricky because like part of i feel like not to get too much into like demographics here but part of the appeal of anime to western audiences has always been that it's willing to like say the things that western cartoons generally don't say and do the things they don't do you know but at some point that shock value isn't worth the damage it does to the story in terms of being able to take it seriously and i do think that anime in general is very bad at showing and not telling and you know obviously you cannot show a child rape on any sort of media but you know you can imply evil much more effectively than just saying oh these guys are real bad because they did x y and z right Mm -hmm. i mean in this case these dudes are already bad without the child pornography and rape like they they're making this super drug that makes people murder each other they've like like i said they murdered his uh they murdered his uh, best friend guy in this elaborate. I didn't even get. I'm not even getting into the details. This very elaborate, most emotionally traumatizing way possible. Man, I like. I'm, I'm sorry. Just, I forgot. They're, they're these villains are making super drugs, which is also yes. very 80s action movie. Right. Yes, so they're making this. But banana fish is basically a, a super mind control drug that makes people kill each other. Uh, some real yeah. so, like, They're shit. already wow. they're already bad dudes, and I, you already want to see them get taken down. I don't think they had to take it to the extremes that they went, but right. Um, so you know, I don't know. It's. I'm I'm debating whether I'm going to continue watching because I feel like I've kind of already gotten a, a somewhat a little of, of enough of a payoff, and I don't know if I I need to see more. It looks like the direction that they've been headed is like now that Ash is on his feet, he's you know reassembling his gang, and now he's taking the fight to the bad guys for the second half, and that's kind of sounds fun. But I don't know, we'll see. Uh, but you know, I just wanted to note that there was at least some payoff, and you know, you can debate whether it was justified or not. Um, okay. Let's uh, keep moving on then. We're going to touch base again with Sirius the Jaeger. Gee, is this continuing or is this wrapping up? I believe, well, I could be wrong here, but I believe it is ending. At least narratively, it definitely feels like it's ending very soon. It's only meant to be 12 episodes. Okay. So it'll only be like uh... another nine months before we get it on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So how is that? Uh, how is it? How is it? Is is it done now, or is there still episodes left? No, no. Well, not only is there like I think one or two episodes left, but um, the state of the fan subs are a little um, questionable. Questionable, yeah, to say the least. You know, it's a situation where, look, like we no longer live in the era where fan subs are reli- you know are a reliable thing. You right. Know, we uh, we have country all. You know, yeah, we made that yeah, podcast. Yeah, so it, it is a situation where, when fan subs are required, right? Like you kind of, it's kind of like, oh, you got to get the band back together or something. You know, right. it's uh, right. It's a, uh, and it's never quite as consistent as you'd like it to be. But you know, in lieu of no other options, you know, we'll take what we can get. But, so uh, as for the, sh- sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I was just gonna say what you're probably about to say but how's the show oh yeah the show itself is <laughs> a lot of fun you know yeah I, in it's fact really good yeah it's I, that's the thing i want to take back what i said during like our midpoint check-in where i said like it is conditionally good for that kind of show like i think it has it has fully graduated into uh at this point something that is just unconditionally great and a lot of fun to watch and you know it's 
it's all this it's all the same kind of things we were talking about before but it's just it's kept it consistent right like the fight the, the fight choreography is still fantastic the music is great and even the characters you know even if they're not the most well developed are almost wholly likable yeah there's, you know, there's like oh sorry jay gone uh i was i was just gonna say that like even now like as we approach the end game like it's never in fact in many ways i feel like putting this next to a banana fish maybe kind of works because i feel like Sirius the jaeger is that action spectacle show that you actually can recommend unconditionally like you know n- none of the characters are that controversial the bad guys are just vampires you know they're just mm. top head fop ass fucking vampires you know <laughs> mascara and long nails yeah like, you know, you know uh, just being asshole vampires and like you know the good guys are like here's the thing one of the main characters is a member of the Japanese Imperial military in the 1930s, which should probably set off some like, you know, hmm. alarm bells, but they actually managed to do it pretty good. Where like, even that character is like, no, this, all this fucking military shit is bullshit. Like, like Japan, America, like all these militaries in the world are just, we are heading towards like this unavoidable, unavoidable, absolute destruction. And it's going to cost, you know, it's going to cost us everything. And we're going to gain nothing in the end. And I could kind of appreciate that. Huh. Uh, the the thing I would say about Sirius the Jaeger is that, and perhaps this is in contrast to Banana Fish, but like it's not deep, and the characterization is not complex. But they they put a lot of work into just bringing just enough life, just enough emotion into the characters. You know, they're, totally. They're, there's just enough there for you to feel like they're three dimensional people, even if there's not actually a huge amount of backstory to most of them but you know there's little character ticks there's jokes facial expressions movement the way they move the way they look you know that that mm. give you the impression of more than there actually is and i think that's incredibly important in an yeah. action show when you don't necessarily get a lot of time to devote to backstory to character building and stuff like that right. and like it really helps that like you know it's really obvious that pa works have been making anime shows forever it looks slick it's beautifully drawn it's yeah. really nicely shot it's well composed you know it's as g mentioned the fight choreography is excellent it is very violent but the violence never quite tips over into like it's it's stylish but not cartoony if it doesn't feel sense. gratuitous like the violence feels like necessary where it happens but it never okay. feels like the show relishes in it too much it's not like but, but it like also villagers feels... that are getting slaughtered or anything like that all the time. I, mean, I mean, okay, yeah, there are villagers getting slaughtered and shit, um, but like, you know, that happens off screen for the most part. Okay. And yeah, and it's also, also asshole vampires, you know, like right. fuck them. <laughs> yeah, like, and right. the thing is, like, the action is crazy enough to be over the top, but not crazy enough so that it's laughable. If that makes sense, like, this doesn't okay, suddenly yeah. become a comedy in the way that something like Helsing occasionally could. Well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, to your to your point, Zig, I think that's a lot of it is because it's directed by the same guy who directed uh, Sword of the Stranger, and mm. the fight scenes in series The Jaeger very much speak to I think somebody who is very familiar with like live action, you know, East Asian martial arts. Uh, films because the way the action happens is very anime right there are flips and spins but like there's also this way that the camera holds on the action in a way that i think a lot of anime does not you know like a lot of anime kind of you know because it's quite you know time consuming will often rely on a lot of cuts to imply motion from like one one piece of the action to the next but 
the uh, uh, the way Sirius the Jaeger does it, like it holds on it just long enough to kind of show you the full transition in the kind of the way the best martial arts movies do. Yeah, mm. yeah the camera work in Sirius the Jaeger reminds me quite a lot of Tokusatsu staging, actually, which is huh. where you do have like you have like a, a slightly longer, more martial arts style shot you don't necessarily have like the super hard and fast cuts yeah uh, the the other thing i'd say about Sirius the jaeger is that as i was saying before you know it's the little things it just feels that like, every opportunity they took a little bit more trouble than they should have and the net result is something that that should really like the premise and the like the setup and even some of the dialogue it should be like a generic pot boiler nothing wrong with that but like this is definitely a tear up and i think it goes to show that like high quality production that can really elevate something out of like the mid-tier and put it into something and make it something very i mean very enjoyable yeah, I like. I'm going to. I'm going to say this now so that I can leverage this as an argument for another show later. But I think Series of the Eager really does prove how important visual fidelity is for for anime. I mean, it's a visual medium. It's animation, you know. And the characters are likable. The story is decent enough. But without just how technically well put together it is, I don't think Series of the Eager would have nearly shined as much as it does because i think so much of it does rely on just how nice it looks you know not just the yeah. action but just the show in general is well animated the character animation is well done like you could definitely yeah. see pa works kind of you know in their element here yeah like i said a lot of it is in like the little ticks the aside glances the shrugged shoulders yeah. you know just little things which bring a character to life without the need yeah. for words or actions, really. How, are you uh, are you caught up, Zig? No, I'm a few episodes back. Okay, I this is not really a spoiler, so I just want to bring ah, this up because I fucking love it. But so eventually, the, the vampires flee Japan, and like, you know, the good guys are like, oh, we gotta, we're hot on their tail, we gotta follow them. Yeah. And so you know, they find out they're in um, you know, kind of on the Russian border, you know, post uh, Russo-Japanese War. Yes. And. Uh, so the good guys follow him there, and you know they get a message like, "Oh, you're gonna meet up with, um, you're gonna meet up with some other vampire hunters uh, from the American branch." Oh, and fucking the American branch vampire hunter shows up, and he is literally just this fucking <laughs> howdy partner cowboy motherfucker, Excellent. and it is so good. <laughs> like, of course, me. the American branch of vampire hunters is just a fucking cowboy. <laughs> Remind me, did anybody else here watch Babuki Buranki? Uh, Which I watched like, the first season to the oh, point where they showed the Americans. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, when, yes, I did see the, the Americans. The Americans showing up in that is also a tremendous, tremendous. So, yeah. uh, I love uh, Japan's take. Cow- cowboy, cowboy vampire yes. hunters. Um, uh, it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. Are you? Um, are any of you familiar with the uh, with the Akiba Ranger episode where the Power yes. Rangers show up? Oh no! I think we. we I think I've seen clips or gifs yeah. of that, but it's. Yeah, that that might be the peak America taking the mick out of sh- uh, Japan taking the mick out of shitty Americans <laughs> <laughs> moment. I'll have to try and find the clips or something. But mm-hmm. yes, I, I am pleased to see that they are that they are playing into that cliche. Yeah. It's always a fun one. Yeah, I might have to go back to it if I have time later on. It's a lot of fun. I I definitely recommend it. It's know, good it's, popcorn it's, TV. Yeah, totally. It's definitely it's definitely the kind of anime that I think. I I truly do think it is the kind of anime that is almost completely non-controversial, like, weirdly enough, because it's it's so focused on just its 
technical excellence in a ways. That... It's the kind of thing that like your 13-year-old nephew would be super into and you would be kind of fine with him being into it because it's so like pulpy and yeah and it's like unless you have an issue with the violence which is so over the top that it's barely realistic there's not really anything that problematic about it you know yeah like, totally. like it's, it's good clean stupid fun and that's that's underrated these days in my opinion all right well like I said, hopefully someday we'll be able to watch it on Netflix in the next year. Thanks Netflix. Thanks That'd Netflix. Nice. And and again, the you know I feel like nobody talks about this show because you know technically they can't. <laughs> but right. uh, Florida Blog does not endorse you know whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's glad to hear that it, it, it panned out. And I think, gee, I know where you're going with the uh, effect that quality can have on the you know technical quality can have on the show. But we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to there. Yeah, we'll go get we got a few more shows uh, to get yeah. through. Yeah, we got a few other shows to talk about. So let's um let's move along to uh, cells at work. Oh, you mean that show that and... ended like five weeks ago, and then just kept making up. Marlin, did you actually stop watching? Yeah, like I, <laughs> come on, I dude. Like I couldn't. I I I also stopped watching. I couldn't. What like at at the cancer episode? No, no. I watched a few episodes after that. But okay. I just couldn't see how it could okay. get better than that. Like that episode was so good, and then it just like, kept going. It was just absolutely bizarre. The way so, they paced that. Out. So before before like you and Marlin throw down on that particular <laughs> topic, can, can I put can I put my uh, thoughts on this show? Yeah, go for it. it. I think Cells at Work is it's really like weird and funny and novel. I think it's beautifully presented. It's got fantastic voice acting. Kana Hanazawa is incredible. Oh, totally. Um, oh, yeah. the, the, the premise, they play the premise for maximum goofiness. It's really fun. It even looks quite nice. I found it impossibly boring. It's... Oh. There's just that. not there's just not enough happening for me. I, you know? I, like, guess. I, yeah. I think I think it's super charming. I think the idea is solid. I think it has a really weird balance between like being obviously a cartoon and like a surprisingly in-depth like study of biology. Like right. the occasional asides to talk about like relatively detailed cell processes are odd. Oh, yeah, this and, is like a guy that got uh, a degree in molecular and cellular biology or something like that, and then couldn't get into med school or something. As far as I can tell, so he wrote a manga. Wrote a manga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the detail yeah, is too intense like, to be someone that didn't take college and, courses on this kind of stuff. Yeah, and like it's it's incredibly charming, like I said, but it's so slight that there's nothing to it, you know. And and that for me that was enough to get it like five or six episodes in, but but I just I just couldn't go any further you know like the, the presentation is not bombastic enough to be consistently funny aside from like the always shocking amounts of blood and violence but <laughs> yeah. but i i just i just couldn't find anything to latch onto in this one and i kind of have to agree with zig it's like I, I enjoyed it and you know this is the guy that loves biology but it kind of got like too into detail about stuff like you know you can say like oh this cell does this but it, you know it would have the cell do it and then it would do a freeze frame and it's like this cell does this <laughs> it's like it, it yeah would... the, the pacing is all over yeah. the shop like those those interludes completely destroy the pace yeah i mean i guess 
Sorry, go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, uh, you know, <laughs> if Marlon doesn't like it, I mean, it's the, the premise sounds like it was written for him, including starring Kana Hanazawa. So, but oh, yeah, uh, she was always great. I'll, uh, yeah. She's great. But I know, G, G, you you stuck with it though, right? You've you've, you've yeah, I've I still really like it. I got to be honest. Like, I totally understand where you guys are coming from, but I guess. I don't know, for some weird reason, those problems don't really bother me. Like, I, I kind of enjoy the edutainment angle of it, you know? Mm-hmm. it's In many ways, I feel like this stems from my own, like, specific brand of bullshit where I love anything that kind of, like, gets into the nitty-gritty of of what whatever its craft is, you know, whether it's, you know, gunpla or firearms or cells or, you know... yeah how anime is made, you know, animation studios or whatever. Like I, I really enjoy learning about, you know, the weird, like highly specific minutiae of it. And I think sales at work does that, but also does it in a charming and, you know, like decent enough presentation that I guess for me, I don't really mind it. And in fact, I kind of even enjoy it. You know, I think again, I'm not going to fight for this show, you know, end of the year, you know, but as just something to watch every week, I uh, definitely found a lot to like about it. You know, it's. I, I feel like I'd it's be charming and defensive. You know, I, I feel like I'd be considerably more amenable to it if it were a ten to fifteen minute short rather than a a twenty two minute full length episode. Sure. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I totally do. Uh, I'm not gonna try and like change your guys' mind because like everything you guys say about it is, you know kind of correct but uh it's got charm like i said you know yeah. like there's i kept watching way longer than i thought i would yeah and that's why i kind of liked ending at the cell episodes like i was still enjoying it for the most part at the end I, I was starting to get into that idea of it was kind of the same thing every episode of oh here's this problem oh we'll talk about this thing that specifically is in your body to deal with this problem and like the end of that cancer cell episode is just such a good finale of like you know everyone's coming together they're fighting you know the biggest health threats in modern human history <laughs> and they win I, yeah i the, the cancer episode is incredibly weird because it definitely feels like a a season finale that somehow was put right in the middle of the show and like <coughs> excuse me um uh yeah it, it's very odd you know like it's I, I do not go like gee did where did they go after that like where do you go after cancer as far as like, enemies <laughs> it's, of the body go it, in many ways it it kind of you know it was business as usual for a bit you know kind of just more episodes about well here's this weird function of the body here's this weird virus or bacteria right but i will say they're <laughs> they have they just set up their two part finale uh this week and um i think well what is it i don't remember the exact term but basically the body suffers a grievous head wound and goes into shock oh, oh boy. and uh so that's what these last two episodes are about which also supports um my suspicion and the fan you know half joke half theory because this is also being made by David Productions, that sells at work is about the body of Jotaro, you know, Jotaro Kujo. <laughs> because, like, a lot of the things he suffered, like, this body suffers from a lot of really unfortunate ailments, man. Like, I, 
I'm going to counteract this. When in any at any stage of JoJo is Jotaro hurt in any way? Uh, dude bleeds a lot. I don't know if he's necessarily hurt, but yeah, again, you know, like sure. d- like dude is stabbed with a billion knives in the finale, but it doesn't slow him down for a single second. I'm not going to say that counts as hurting. <laughs> I'm just saying that the body in cells at work just suffered a grievous head wound, and on the list of people I know in anime who suffered grievous head wounds, Jotaro Kujo is probably on that list somewhere. When did he suffer a grievous head wound? I don't know, but probably whole, somewhere in part the three. Like, about, the whole point about Jotaro is that he's completely invincible. Like, I didn't say that. Look, I said he suffered the wound. Right. I, I, I didn't say he died from it. No, you know? no, but I'm saying he doesn't even suffer a wound. No, no, he you doesn't. Know, he gets like, cut up. He just yeah, yeah Jotaro gets fucked up pretty bad. Powers, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Look, I'm just anyway, saying that like, like, what added to the theory was that uh, also because earlier, I think a little while back, Jotaro specifically gets, like, not Jotaro, uh, <laughs> sorry, the body in cells at work specifically gets, like, a bacteria <laughs> that is, like, apparently only found in, like, desert nations. And you know who was traveling a lot in deserts? <laughs> Jotaro. Jotaro. <laughs> So what you're saying is that we could expect an episode of Cells at Work where the body is reduced to like how it was when it was 10 years old or something like that? Because remember, that totally happens in Stardust Crusade. I mean, you never know. Did that happen to Jotaro? Yeah, because like the whole episode is about Polar F, and then at the end, oh, the guy yeah. runs into Jotaro and turns him into like a kid, and then Jotaro owns him anyway off screen. Right, anyway. yes, yes, all right, yes. Anyway... All I want to say is that this still isn't my dream anime called Cells at Work, which is just Cell from Dragon Ball working in a cubicle and <laughs> insurance broker. So until right, that happens. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, so many, years there's so many spin-offs of Cells at Work. It's only a matter of time before they get that far. Yeah, Actual yeah, Cell shows so. up. Yeah. I'll All right. Well, it's a good show. It's, for me, it just was not doing anything for me personally. I have nothing bad to say about it. So, And there's nothing... I mean... There's really no problematic elements or anything, so if you like it, you know, carry on. Um, all right, let's uh, move along to uh, My Hero Academia, which uh, is it's yeah, good. It's, next, yeah, it's, it's still <laughs> yeah, it's probably not. Do, do we have anything uh, additional to say other than point. you know? I'm sure it'll be back. I'm sure it'll be back soon enough before we know yeah. it, but. Uh, uh, the only thing I wish to say is that everybody is like really hyped about that Deku versus Bakugo episode that just aired, and, and I'm sorry, I just don't get anything. Like, I just can't enjoy anything involving Bakugo. I think he's the worst. Yeah, it, I mean, um, yeah, I would totally agree there. Like, the fight itself looks fantastic. Oh, yeah, know, yeah. Been fucking top tier bones, you know, at work there. But yeah, the fight itself, like as the finale of this season, I. Frankly, I feel My Hero Academia is in the position where I'm not trying to say it, I'm try, not trying to defend it, but I would say it is in the position where maybe it has earned enough goodwill to get away with such a weak season finale like this. Because it's every season finale. It, I, I mean, like, but well, the because I think is... inherently you know that there's more to come, so like yeah. it can kind of end on a weaker note here because I... you know that. The story continues. Just, but yeah. The problem is as well is that they have to work within the accepted like structure of Japanese anime seasons. Yeah, and that too. The fact that they are serializing a ongoing story. I mean, put it this way: I would much rather that they had weak endings than tried to like lengthen or compress the arcs so that the 
the climaxes occurred at the end of the season. Yeah, I just wish know? that they like ended like, the season with the United States of Smash because like that would be just such a good. But how how do you do that? Like United States of Smash happened ten episodes ago. You're not going to stretch. At... You're not going to stretch the all for one arc into twenty four episodes. Like that's well, no, no, what that's what I'm saying is like they this shouldn't have been twenty four episodes. Like it's how I'm thinking about it. you know. The first season, but that's how you—that's how you order a season of anime, especially a show. I know, like, I, just for me, it, it seems like this show always ends on its worst foot. Like, there's always the best season <laughs> finale in the middle of the show, and then oh, totally. it goes yeah, into some weaker season finale to end the the actual season. Like they yeah. again, I mean, it's, it's sorry, go ahead, the, the, I was going to say sports festival. Oh yeah, at least they haven't resorted to like anime original filler. I know. Um, yeah although maybe I, they should in that case you know I, if you want I, I don't know to be honest because there was that filler episode a few a few weeks ago that was honestly really bad so which one was that again? like it was super it was the like bank robbery episode oh yeah that was that was super terrible but that was like, a movie time like that was done to like sort of promote the movie and it was like you could tell immediately that horikoshi had nothing to do with the writing of this episode <laughs> and like it was so disjointed. We, we kind of talked about oh, this yeah. a few weeks ago. It was, like, so disjointed and poorly written and, like, just... Like, it, it it seemed like it was building up to, like, a fun, weird, like, subversion of expectations, but then it just played it straight, mm-hmm. which made it even more baffling. And, I don't know, frankly, I'm, I'm glad that My Hero Academia... I'm kind of glad that this is how we're doing Shonen adaptations now. Like, that we're in a place where even Weekly Shonen Jump feels comfortable enough to give my hero academia the space it needs to you know build up a buffer of more story you know not force more seasons where it's not needed because i think you're right you're right that again you know maybe horikoshi is probably beginning to internalize that into how he paces the manga now but like it does have this weird tendency to like (laughs) always end on a weaker arc and like have you know start off on a much stronger uh foot right you know but i mean the thing i would say about my hero academia though is that at this point the story of that like the meta story of that show is not that this arc or this particular episode was really good but that we're like 80 odd episodes in now or whatever and the show is still consistently good yeah you know like i I feel like the important thing is less that like individual episodes are outstanding, although clearly they still are, but that the, the average level of quality has remained high, yeah. and that that's so difficult to do in long running shonen adaptations. Totally, totally. And, and I think that's and that's for the same by the same token why we don't have a great deal to say about it, you know, because like the characters continue to be great, you know, they continue to be very well developed and well written the stories continue to be good you know like if it were up to me i would probably prefer like a little bit more forward motion on the actual like character development stuff but again this is like you know a hundreds and hundreds of chapters manga not a 26 episode anime show right so everything will happen a bit more slowly but but like i said i feel like the most important thing we can say about my hero academia is it was good at the beginning it continued to be good it looks like it's going to end well yeah i can you agree know, with that the average the average is the important my, thing. my yeah. disappointment and... is only in relation it's still a great show yeah it's, it's, it's sure. not as good as it is yeah. when it's amazing 
And in and, the middle I will say of the season was amazing. Yeah. Like I was ready to call oh, it totally. my favorite show of the season if it had stopped there, for sure. It's it's tough, right? Like, look, like Shonen Jump is not going to order twelve episodes from Bones, right. right? Like, it's just not how it works. So, like for better or worse, you know that's kind of what they had to do. But I will say that yes, like. You know, All for One is a fantastic, you know, arc, you know, fantastic, you know, piece of that show. And I don't think it would have worked if you had stretched it out. Right. Like, like I could see you fitting maybe a, one more. Like, I, I will say, I, I will say personally, I do think they kind of rushed All for One a bit. Like, compared to the manga, I almost feel like they could have maybe fit in one more episode during that fight with uh, All Might and All for One. But, you know, overall still went pretty well. And I will say... I like the base. Uh, the next arc is quite large, so I'm hoping they give it the amount of time it deserves. How close? It's basically kind of reminds me of Yu Yu Hakusho. That's what I kind of like, is that it's it's quick, it gets to the point, it has the boss fight, doesn't drag it along. I like that kind of thing. Uh, how close are they to catching up with the manga at this point? Is there still a decent buffer, or...? They will probably, assuming this manga... Blah, sorry, assuming the anime airs, you know, let's be honest, like, I don't know, January 2020, uh, 2019. Yeah. Um, they will definitely be able to... They will definitely have enough t- uh, enough content for the next season. For, I'd say, two more seasons at this point. By season, do you mean 13 episodes or 24 episodes? I'd say yeah, two more 24-episode seasons. Okay, yeah, so that's a decent buffer. Now, yeah. it's 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 a weird thing because I'd say it kind of, it, it variably depends on A, like how fast the manga is moving at any given time, and B, how, how the anime decides to adapt that, basically. Because right. uh, My Hero Academia, again, I think we've all talked about, is kind of like absurdly fast-paced for a shonen manga. Like... There are filler arc, you know, filler arcs in My Hero Academia are like five chapters. You know, right. they are not these multi-volume things. You, you know? also can't just so, make a mathematical formula where you say X amount of chapters is going to equal X amount of episodes, yeah, depending yeah, on how you adapt yeah. it. It's but, always going to be a little uh, different. Totally. totally. So, all right. Well, but uh, yeah, I think they'll be yeah. fine. I'm sure they'll be back, like you said, if not by January, then like April or something. So, you know, well. We'll be talking about My Hero Academia again. I'll probably be watching the dub again at that point, <laughs> which I enjoy. Yes. Okay, so let's move along to a show that I feel like the stock has been rising on since day one. Oh, boy. To oh, yeah. the point where you guys have been really hyped for the ending of uh, Lupin the Third Part 5. It was really good. Uh, it's the best show of the season. Yep, I think that's we can say that. So quite definitively, what what I guess what has been the sort of trajectory to the point where you're now naming it best show of the season at this point, and it is finished, I, right? Yes, it, yeah, it's finished. It, yes, it finished last week. Okay, can I take this one sure. first? Yeah, um, go for it, dude. I feel like what has what has lifted Lupin the Third so high is that it's simultaneously been able to do two very good things at once. One is it's been an excellent, like, traditional Lupin-style wacky hijinks, exciting heists uh, thing. You know, like, so, like, you've got, like, evil villains. You've got, like, you know, femme fatales. You've got great jazzy soundtrack. You've got all the things that you would want from a Lupin show distilled into, like, the ultimate version, you know. So, like, you cut a lot of the craft 
and like it's it's even done the thing where it occasionally flashes back to like older eras of Lupin. So you get like goofy pink jacket Lupin, you get like globe trotting red jacket mm. Lupin, uh, you get like detective green jacket Lupin, and all that stuff, you know. But like the actual core storyline of this one has been so good and like so effective at like letting those classic characters play out their roles that it's just been really good fun. And the other thing is that the show has kind of gradually evolved into an incredibly interesting meta commentary on Lupin as a whole, as like the character that like the role he plays in his stories and just like the way like the world, the modern world has moved on from Lupin. Mm -hmm. And the net result is it's a show starring Lupin about Lupin that nevertheless has like some interesting messages about like society and uh like storytelling as a whole and you'd never like we've been joking all along that this show is actually woke lupin <laughs> yeah. but it, it does have like some surprisingly good social commentary like not like super deep stuff but like much more than you would expect and it's very and smart. expressed in like a a fun interesting way you know the performances are great the animation is fantastic the music is incredible it's just a hit on every single level yeah yeah i i would basically agree with with all of that zig it's yeah just lupon somehow manages to do social commentary in a way that feels weirdly relatable and relevant in a way i did not expect fucking lupon the third to ever pull right. off and like there's straight up a story arc about how like there's a there's an uprising in a third world country that's being secretly sponsored by the CIA. Like yeah. that's the level they're going to. I mean, you know. yeah, it's it's and, and to speak to that meta aspect, I I really do kind of love what Lupin the Third Part Five has done, and I think the reason why to answer your question, Jill, why the stock on Lupin has been right has been rising is because at the beginning. In how do I put it? In many ways, Lupin the Third hasn't actually changed that much from the start of this TV series. I mean, but the difference is at the beginning of Lupin the Third Part Five, you're like, oh man, it's Lupin versus the internet, Lupin versus Bitcoin. Like it's kind of this really fun, wacky, you know, modern take on it. And you're like, man, I can't wait to see how they pull this off. Mm. And it turns out the way they pull it off is they keep hammering that theme in different ways in different angles and they compound on top of each other. Like even if, you know, some of those are, some of those standalone arcs are better or worse than others. They, what they do is that they compound and build on top of each other in a way that makes them all relevant to the finale. Like I think the thing we were all saying at the start is, Oh, I think they learned their lesson from the prior anime TV series and they're going to focus on these standalone stories because frankly, Lupin is the kind of character that is interesting for roughly four to five episodes before you need to do something new with him. But all those new things they've been doing with him in this TV show build into this really interesting climax. And it's uh and even those one-off episodes actually because so much as zig was saying so much of lupon the third part five is about lupon the legacy lupon the icon lupon yeah, the symbol lupon? It, in some ways yeah it's it's a story about the story of lupon yeah you know? and like so, i'm i'm yeah. a huge sucker for stories about stories totally so. 
like but right like, those those one-off episodes like at first you're like oh these one-off episodes are good breaks right like i need i need a break before we get back into like blue jacket lupon but then you realize that actually what these stories have been doing is kind of effectively implanting into you the memory of what old lupon was right, like, like. The legend of lupon, and it helps basically Right, it helps build the legend, yes, the, the kind of the legacy of Lupin, and it all comes to a head in the finale. Like, honestly, like, this show is such, like, a fine definitive statement on, like, the idea of Lupin as, like, the folk hero, that like, and it won't be this, but if this were the last Lupin thing ever, it would be a fitting point. Oh, yeah. To oh, leave totally. Off. I don't know where you because, because I mean, in some is... ways, it feels like it was... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, it, the entire show is about examining the myth of Lupin and, like, what he's done to reach this point and, like, why why is Lupin important in 2018, you know? Yeah. And, like, the battle essentially in every one of these arcs in a different way is, you know, what what can Lupin bring to the table against X modern innovation, against Y modern innovation? Right. You know, and, of course, the answer to that the ultimate answer is, of course, you know, Lupin can be whatever he needs to be. The 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 entire show is about how, you know, you can you can change everything about Lupin the Third, and he'll still be Lupin the Third, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That's the and, and the show is a great, yeah, and the show is a great example of like proving that true in the way it tells its stories, um, because because it does change like a lot of things about Lupin the Third, but it's a great example of how. You take the important things which everybody remembers. So Lupin, Jigen, uh, Goemon, Fujiko, uh, Zenigata, you know, and like you could you can put them into anything. You can use those basic building blocks of those characters and those scenarios, and you can build entire new stories around them. Really interesting modern stories that yeah. like have their foundations in this old character. I think I think the way Ami puts it at the very end. You know, I'm not going to spoil too much, just what she says at the end where she's like, I want to have Lupin, but if I did, I want to have Lupin, I want to know everything about him, but then if I did, he would stop surprising me. And Right. That is such a great Oh, man, just, the, the, yes, just the, the way the show, yes, is just this fantastic meta-commentary on the whole franchise yeah. as, as what it means. I think it's really and like, interesting. To speak to, yeah, sorry, like go ahead. How her dad says, like, that's, how you know what a hero is <laughs> like the idea that a myth or like a hero is born out of this idea that there are things you don't know about him i mean and yeah. there is explicitly a twist in that last episode which suggests that the idea of lupin the third is much more important than the actual reality of lupin you, yeah. you guys yeah. know the one i mean oh yeah yeah you know but like it, it is almost an explicit commentary on the idea that like it doesn't matter what happens you know in the background what's important is like the the legend of lupin the third yeah and like and the show the show reinforces that through it through its storytelling right and i don't want to just turn this into the lupin cast but i just do want to briefly bring up because you know you mentioned them sig like i actually you know lupin great character but i actually really love what they did with uh, Jigen and Goemon in this TV oh, yeah, really series, so, like on them you know, just you know, from the meta partners. standpoint, like Jigen is Jigen's VA is kind of the last living um, of the original Lupin the Third voice cast, and he has this conversation <laughs> with Lupin in the penultimate episode that 
like to speak to what you said before, Zig, I think that is what convinced me that even though this is definitely not going to be the last Lupin thing, this show is definitely aiming to in some ways be the definitive, you know, bookend for Lupin should it ever come to that. You know, and especially kind of in what Jigen says to Lupin, you know, after that fucking crazy ass, you know, police shootout. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say where, like uh, you talk about how they reinvented Jigen and they mostly reinvented him by having him kill like a billion <laughs> dudes. Dude, fucking Jigen <laughs> yeah. and Guayamon are fucking oh, killers yeah, in yeah, this yeah, show. Like, like holy crap. In, in fact, it's one of the... Because, like, most of the show is, like, relatively light-hearted, but, like, the yeah. body count they rack up in this show, like, don't get me wrong, like, Lupin's gang have always killed when it's necessary, mm-hmm. except in, like, the super-goofiest right, versions. Yeah. But, like, they kill a lot of people oh, yeah. in this show. Yeah, they fucking, they fucking kill more people than, like, the fucking Takeshi Koi K OVAs did, and, like, those are, like, Lupin at its, like, darkest and grittiest. Do you get and shot still... that guy straight through the eye? <laughs> Dude, Jigen, fucking Goemon cut that fucking van in half, and then Jigen shot the people inside that van. Like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, like, like, related to this as well, I would like to point out, you know, it looks fantastic. The voice acting is incredible. The music is great. I'd even like to point out that the subtitling work is, like, the the guys at Crunchyroll clearly got their number one dude on this because the subtitling is fantastic and is, like, full of, like, fun weird silly little turns of phrase that just bring oh, yeah. a huge Gucci amount of kicks. life to it you know? it's yeah you know like, like just stuff like that you know or like it's it's an incredibly good production on every level yeah it uh i feel like i feel like in some past podcast i might have said something like lupon the third is a fantastic show but you know we kind of know what to expect from it and you know I'm not sure I'm going to be talking about it end of the year, but I don't know, man. The way Lupin ended, 2018 is going to be a tough year for top five lists. I'm just going to say that. I mean, like, I think the thing is, like, it's not, it's not so much that Lupin delivers. It is like completely different from what you expected to a large amount in a large amount. It's still what you expected, but it's that done to like, in the best possible way and there's just enough new to make everything interesting and everything like fresh again yeah and that's it it's a great show i mean that's pretty much the best we could have could have possibly hoped for on it right absolutely yeah yeah and that's uh that's what they delivered on so it's pretty cool so um yeah like you said we'll see how that goes uh once we start uh talking about our anime of the year discussions but line's still number one yeah, I'm, I'm with Marlon on that, but that's another yeah, topic. Like I another, said, it's going to be oh, a bloodbath, yeah. man. Another topic for Sorry, another time. I, I thought we were talking about the best anime of the year. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I can so guarantee you, this is what I'm talking about. I, I can guarantee you this next show is not going to be on that list. Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, Chio's School Road uh, kind of went out the way in which it came, and that is to say, dragged out, the jokes were good, but they dragged them out too long and threw in too much random, completely unnecessary fan service um they did uh sneak in one good v- joke at the very end in the last episode they uh kind of did like fake outtakes of different scenes from throughout the anime like when you actually like saw like all like the cameras and mics and stuff on the side of the stage and everything and they were like right kind of like you know the credits of a jackie chan movie right yeah so that was pretty cool but you know otherwise they kind of stuck to the same formula for both good and bad throughout. yeah yeah, the the 
kind of the best you could really say for Chio's school road is it has some great jokes, but they're not consistently spaced out. You know, I we were talking about this the other day, Jill, but I almost feel like the best version of the Chio School Road anime takes a more Hinamatsuri approach of cutting the shaft and then just kind of condensing that show's, you know, best skits and best jokes into, you know, a single 12 episode anime. Right. Slash and burn, knowing that you're probably not going to get a season two and uh, yeah. just cut down because, to the best stuff. Yeah. Right. Because it's a shame because there are some fantastic jokes in the manga that the anime couldn't get to in time. Like, there's a there's a chapter where you know Chio plays PUBG. You know she plays players unknown battlegrounds, and it's a fucking fantastic episode. But you know we're probably not ever gonna get you know that in the anime. So yeah, you know, if we had sad. cut out some of this you know pervy bullshit, you know, and yeah, who knows yeah, that, that one episode with like the the girl poking him in the butt that was just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Oh like, man, that's like there's... describing it very politely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I there was, um, you know, I'm probably even more hard on Chio because of the next show we're going to talk about, and I'm, I'm not going to totally transition to that yet. But you know, Asobi Yasabase does things very. It's a very similar concept of you know the terrible people doing terrible things to each other, and you know, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to like figure out exactly why you know where, where does chio fail and that show succeed and like what are the differences and everything because you, even some of the characters are very similar like i feel like Monana is very similar to hanako in sobi asabase but um you know i think part of it and i don't know how much we've actually talked about this as far as sort of like the end ultimate conclusion of the the fan service thing chio is a lot of male nerd fantasy stuff going on um yeah and you know because chio herself she plays video games just like you yeah, but she she's, go, but she plays she's also a cute girl now now you now let's all look at her panties for 20 seconds um you know so th- there's a lot of that that is not in asobiaso base and part of that might be because uh you know asobiaso base is written by a woman from what i can tell um Seems like it and uh you know that uh, that perspective definitely makes a difference because really a lot of the worst things about Chio that uh, you know we don't like were tied up in kind of that male nerd fantasy stuff and you know if we cut that out el- those elements out I still think there would be issues with Chio uh, since there would you know a lot of the pacing stuff was a problem but. Right, like the thing with Chio School Road is not just an issue of content, it's about how it was delivered, so, you know, getting rid of that, getting rid of the bad content wouldn't necessarily save it, but I do think it would have made for, like, a tighter, more cohesive comedy, because it's just that Chio School Road is at its best when it is, you know, Manana and Chio being, like, total fucking dickheads to each other. (laughs) You know, it's not that funny when it's just, like, Oh, it's the pervy Kabaddi girl again, or right. it's you know for the like fifteenth. I don't know the finger butt stuff, right? Like, <laughs> like I feel like I feel like Chio is at its best when it is indulging in a combination of like Manana being you know the fucking normie dirtbag you know best friend character, or you know Chio getting wrapped up in her like 
gamer delusions but yeah i would like to say that you know th- th- i don't have a problem with it like the nerd joke like some of the gamer jokes are actually kind of funny it's when they like also like this week was it this week i think the first part or maybe last episode where you know chio stay i might have been last week where chio stays up all night playing video games and they decide okay well we have to have a scene where she just walks around with you know no skirt on for you know 10 minutes and let's have the camera zoom in on her butt for you know an awkward yeah, right. time and like like the art isn't even that good on the show usually so like what is even the appeal uh, yeah it's kind it. of a shame because like the original the dude's prior work to uh Shio school <laughs> yeah, we, we, road is we've uh, mentioned this before but yes right it is quite good for what it is i'll leave it at that anyway um can we can we just real quick talk about how they made Ando the love interest? And I thought he was forty years old. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I still think it's kind of weird, even if he's in his mid twenties. I well, I think he's supposed to be like twenty, and she's like sixteen or something, which is oh, yeah. Would, I mean, uh, I mean, he's if he wasn't such like a harmless dork, I'd probably have more of a problem with it, but. It's that's a little borderline, but but I mean, you look at him, the dude looks like he's 40. Come on, right? Oh. Yeah, I mean, again, I think Ando is just in that archetype of like, like a lot of old delinquent manga would have characters who look fucking hard as fuck, but then it's like, oh, I'm a middle school student, right? and it's <laughs> yeah. like, dude, fucking got like, you know, you know, it was like the old thing, like old delinquent manga, where like a dude would have a fucking scar over his eye and like 60 piercings, right, like, and like, yeah, I just graduated from middle school. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like, or like Yu Yu Hakusho, right? Like, Yusuke is a middle school right. student. Even though he's like this fucking, like, he's in the same grade as Kuwabara. Kuwabara is a middle school student right. at the yes. beginning of Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> and that dude fucking looks like he's fucking 30 or something. Yeah. I mean, remember, technically in JoJo, Jotaro is meant to be 17. Even yeah, though he, right? Like, like yeah. he looks like he's basically just like Kenshiro. Like, he's yeah. just <laughs> Like, again, I'm not trying to defend the whole Ando romance angle, but I, I will just say that his appearance is pro- is is, right. is nothing new for the specific archetype that he inhabits. There is there is some historical precedent, sure. It just, uh, it took, it, it caught me off, off guard the first time it happened, and then, then I had to do my actual, well, they cleared it up next week, but the, the, the first, the first episode they bring it up, I'm like, wait, this dude's gotta be like 40. And then the next episode, they establish he's like 20, but even so. Yeah. Anyway, um, that kind of bleeds into the discussion of our next show, like I was saying, uh, Sobi Asubase, which does kind of the similar thing. But, I, you know, I other than being a little slow in the beginning, I have almost like nothing bad to say about it. Like oh, it's, it's, man, it's, it's absolutely pretty. hilarious. Yeah, it was fantastic. And they, they, they ended really strong. Um, mm-hmm. the last the last couple episodes were great. The last episode itself was fantastic. They had uh, they had a creepy baby that might be a drug dealer. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> they had uh, they had uh, oh my god! They did. There's there's a, there's a, one of the great things with the show is like around like episode five or six, they they introduced all the characters they needed introduced. Like one or two here and there, they did later, but the the characters and jokes all kind of stayed the same, but they kind of rotated them just enough so that you didn't get tired of them so like you know we talked about the butt laser thing for example <laughs> yeah. they, they put that on the shelf for a while and then right. you know when, when it came right back at the best time <laughs> yes yeah, yeah right exactly so when it came back 
you know, just out of nowhere, you start laughing hysterically because you were just totally forgot about the butt lasers. Right. So, um, you know, the, and one of the jokes is one of the girls keeps finding like these weird um, smartphone games. And so then the last episode, she finds this uh, fairy tale battle royale game mm-hmm. where it's like little uh, adorable. It's like these adorable little animal creatures. And so she talks to the other girls into playing because it looks like this cute game. And then like, as they get going, they just all get violently murdered with blood everywhere. <laughs> and <laughs> probably the probably the hardest I've laughed in a long time at any joke is the one girl gets murdered and just bleeds out for like 10 minutes, like with her life points <laughs> draining. And then later on, like the other girl, <laughs> she gets she gets headshot, and like an actual voice pops up, and they're like, "Congratulations, it's a critical hit. You get to die without suffering." Oh, huh? <laughs> oh, trust me, like, but that's just but that's just like really the kind die. of that's just the kind of like ruthless sense of humor the show has. Oh, and yeah. um, you know, I was talking about earlier how you can kind of tell. The, the difference being written by a woman, as far as I can tell, like the perspective, like just like an example with the last episodes with Chio, like there was a whole segment, like the last segment is basically the girls taking off their underwear and running around commando and how like awesome it feels. And of course there's various circumstances that blow their skirts up and you're like, okay, whatever. And you know, in, in Asubi Asubase in the last episode, they have like a whole thing with like uh, one of the girls, like, likes the other girl's bra and they like talk about like me- like how to take your measurements and shop online for them and stuff like that and it's like you could definitely just see the difference in perspective you know even just like in an, hmm. in the underwear joke thing but uh you know it and, and it's not to say that asobi asobase doesn't have like crude, crude sexual jokes because there are plenty of those but you know they don't do it by sexualizing the girls themselves and i right. think it makes like kind I mean- of a huge difference there's a difference between a dirty joke like specifically targeting and exploiting a character and just like uh, I, I it's possible to to make a dirty joke without like specifically targeting a character you know that sounds like that, that's the difference here. or like also just the show has the best terrible characters I think I've ever seen you know like we talk about you know terrible shows about terrible people being terrible to each other and this one, I just think this is the best one I've ever seen. Are, are we going to give this the crown over Sabage Boo Marlin? Because I don't know about that. Huh. Okay, like, the, there are certain particular scenes from Sabage Boo that are really good, but I don't know. I think this People one comes died. Close. People died in Sabage Boo because of their <laughs> dirtbagginess. Okay, that's true. I guess that part's hard to be. <laughs> People come close. Yeah, I'll say nothing happens that tops the uh, the helicopter scene in Sabage Boo, but as <laughs> on an individual basis. To a zombie, they a, a, a robot becomes sentient and tries. Like, you, you've seen the screens of the, the sentient robot that's like learned a bunch of American swear words, is just like cussing out the teacher. <laughs> Yeah, it's. <laughs> I I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm ready to hand over the crown from uh, Sabage Boo, but it's it's definitely a legitimate conversation to be had um, on it. Uh, so once they introduced all those like crazy more fantasy type elements, I guess where we could have butt lasers and robots and weird mobile games and stuff like that, then it definitely kind of you know came into its own and. Uh, Ended on a great joke too. Oh yeah, 
yeah, the end. Uh, it was probably like the probably like the perfect way to end a, a comedy like this, where they're just like <laughs> they're they're playing a game and it just keeps going on and on. They're like, how should we end this? And then they just cut to the credits. Cuts to the ending. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, it, it's it also is really great. The writing knows how to play a joke just far enough and then to end it. Because like during this scene, it's like the idea is that they're drawing characters, and like the idea is the classic. Like children saying, "Oh no, my shield breaks your sword." Oh no, my like gun shoots through your shield. That kind of thing. And for one of the, they bring in the the weird butt laser guy, and he just keeps drawing the same really crappy thing on everything. <laughs> and it's just they they do it just enough before it gets old. Right, right. So uh, pulling in a pulling the old trigger style uh, comedic timing, I guess. Yes. Yeah, basically. Uh, well, yeah, it's kind of the universal how to make good comedy, you know, draw it to just the play the, play the joke just as many times as you can while people are still laughing at it. But uh, yeah, well, sounds like I should have just tolerated the art style and given it a shot. Yeah. You know, that, that was a problem for me in the beginning, but once I kind of realized, once I kind of got used to it and kind of realized how they were using it as like a contrast to the horrible, how horrible everybody is in the show and all the, crude jokes and everything it kind of works pretty well actually right but uh um, agree yeah having not watched lupon it was my favorite show of the season and you know i'm the comedy guy so i mean it's, it's, this was right up my alley it was a close decision but, uh, like they're both really good yeah covering very different areas i'm sure but uh yes <laughs> it, was a, it was a very good show so all right um let's move along to i don't even know where to start with this one let's talk about planet with okay uh, like literally just wrapped up like i think g you just finished it like 30 seconds before we started the podcast yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> um it i don't know if i have anything new to say from a general point of view because i think a lot of our the good things and the bad things pretty much stayed um what they were i mean Mizukami did his thing, I think, as far as creating the setting and the characters, but just the technical aspects, both in you know execution and and length, really dragged it down. And I think that yeah, it's... held true to the to the end. Planet with is I don't know, man. Plan... Because, you know, I think earlier on, you can listen to prior podcasts, I was a little bit more ambivalent towards Planet With's story. Like, even the, like I was always down on its visuals, but even the story was not instantly winning me over. But I will say that by the time we reach to the ending, fucking Mizukami's done it again. He somehow, like, I don't even know why I ever doubted him, because he did it again. He, he took the most generic, shitty premise possible and made it into, like, a compelling human drama. He, he turned it into something fucking fucking beautiful man and that's like story-wise playing it with is everything i i needed it to be like i think mizukami more than anybody else alive right now truly understands the heart of like a good early 2000s gynex show like i was actually kind of disappointed i well okay fine let me finish my show first (laughs) but i i just think it's this wonderful story that Mizukami truly, I think, I think Mizukami genuinely believes that love can save us, that compassion is more powerful than hatred, 
and that we can and will overcome our worst tendencies. And just, it, it's such a tremendous thing. And so he's a sucker, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> he, look, Mrs. Kami always kind of has yeah. been, right? Like, he, it, all of his stories are kind of about characters kind of believing and fighting for really hokey ideals, but because they believe in them so earnestly, it overcomes the cynicism and, you know, evil of, you know, the villain. And that's kind of what makes Planet with a tragedy, because the show itself just looks so god-awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like the music is, like, the music of the last episode is, oh my gosh, it's fantastic. It's some of the best, like, it's some of the best, like, that style of mecha soundtrack you could hope for. It's so ugly. It's, 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 it's a shame because I think... <laughs> they call if they called him the Fate Stay Night Dragon for the last boss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Like that PS2 CG cutscene dragon just looks so fucking oh, bad. Yeah. Like, like after watching like the penultimate episode of of uh, Planet With, because I was like, oh, like Musicami is basically trying to go for a you know the old Gurren Lagan play mm-hmm. here. Like I rewatched the last episode of Gurren Lagan where like. Oh, the because anti-spiral. That, because that's a fair comparison to no, make I mean, with any but, but, show. No, but but the, the thing Zig, is that story-wise, I actually do think Planet With can compete. It, it, I don't know if it's better yeah. than Gurren Lagann story-wise and character-wise, but it is it is in that same weight class. I feel like it might have been in that weight class if they had given it as many episodes. Yeah, as Gurren I just don't think and it has... and then the problem is that like the problem is that like you fucking watch the last episode of Gurren Lagann where fucking the anti spiral is not that complex of a design, but he's like. Oh ho, so you're going to become a galaxy-sized robot, then I shall defeat you on your terms, and t- does this fucking badass fucking transformation into this giant evil robot, or or when Lord Genome is like, I'm going to quantum dissolve myself, and my face is going to be on the end of this drill, like, eat this drill to grow more powerful, Simone. And it's like, and the thing is that, like, Planet With is kind of doing the same things in terms of narrative intent. Like, the, like, it's doing the same things like in that like epic in the classics, you know, definition of that word, you know, epic and scale, epic and in action. These things that are happening to it are are wild and fantastic. And and it's being done to like this fucking PS2 ass <laughs> fucking dragon that just it, looks like shit, moves mm-hmm. like shit. The, the, the fight looks like the, the final. Well, all the fights really look like video game cutscenes. like they don't yeah, look basically. like. Yeah. They look like in-game graphics. Like, like video game cutscenes from like fucking the early two thousands or right, something, right, you know. Right. Not, not even, even like good video game cutscenes here, but yeah. I mean, no hearts. I, I don't. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is good, man. Uh, look, yeah, like new Kingdom Hearts trailer, man. I look. I, I don't know, I, man. It's got Baymax <laughs> in it. <laughs> Sorry, so go ahead. Look, I I don't think you're wrong. Like, it's clearly an incredibly fucking cheap show that was smashed into, like, 12 episodes, even though it really needed way more than that. I I guess I just don't dock it as many points for looking like crap. You know, like, I think that the... I think that some of the fight choreography is fine. I think some of the uh, camera angles are interesting and clever. Um, The CG's awful, but I just don't care about as much about that. You know, I I think that the... I think that the fundamental story, like, is is good enough, and I think that the I think that 
what is happening is cool enough that I don't really care about the fact that I can tell it's all done in a computer, you know. And I understand those are important. And yes, it would be a hugely better show if they like were able to actually animate all that shit. I'm just not willing to knock it down as much. And that's why I, I just want to say I think the story lacked teeth. I like I, I I get your what you're saying about oh it's it's about how love conquers and but i keep thinking back to uh lucifer and the biscuit hammer and how like the stakes were always so high and you know like more people died you know like even the i mean even the one guy's son doesn't technically die because he was i guess the dragon the whole time i i mean the thing i don't want to interrupt you too much i apologize marlon but i will just say in the way that i was unfairly comparing planet with degur and lagan you can't really compare Planet With to Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer because I feel like that's kind of that's music comedy's like magnum opus, yeah. man. I, I mean, that is a more fair comparison though because of the the author. Yeah. So I mean, I sure, think you are right. I just you know. I think that there needed to be a bit more. Like the the story was just going along its paces. It was kind of like what I would expect a normal Toku show to be like. No offense, Nick, but like just that like there's this escalation you have the one power that everything has and then you know like each you know they keep beating up on each other especially in the episode of the dog versus the cat i, I forget they're really long complicated names and <laughs> and it's like there's just there's no teeth they're like oh we're now we're good buddies because you know we i think i you know he acts like he hates him but he really cares a lot about him and you know like we, we're fighting this dragon but we're really trying to save him and it's no consequences for us going into this dimensional portal I, or anything like that. I, I will agree with you, Marlon, to the extent that I do think the show kind of lacks some of the teeth of Mizukami's regular stories, where the thing that makes Mizukami's other stories so compelling is that is that, yes, people do, in fact, often die or get, you know, permanently, you know, hurt in some sort of, like, you know, debilitating way, and when the characters overcome that and they still be the better people in the end, it kind of makes it more, you know, yeah. more dramatic because in many ways you, you are kind of correct. I don't want to get too into, I'm not going to spoil too much, but basically it, it does take away some of the magnitude of like Soya's ability to forgive his enemies when frankly, his enemies never did that much to him to begin well, with. Well, most of them. It, yes. Yes. Like it, it's, it's a little bit harder to buy it as this huge magnanimous gesture. Like, I wish, but I think some of that is just the issue of scale, yeah. right? Like, I think if this was double the episodes, double the length, I think Mizukami would have found the time to include those. But right. for better or worse, he kind of had to just make do with the time right, he like, had. Yeah, like a lot of my issues with the story are simply that the characters are not well developed enough, and that's a time issue. Yeah. Like, there's just not enough time in this show. Right. It, it definitely. Like, I have no doubt Mizukami could have fleshed out that whole cast if he had the time you know i i agree i think the show would have been better had it been uh two cores i think it is maybe a little bit of a double-edged sword though because i kind of enjoyed in some spots how fast the pacing was like when they had the when they had the battle in that one episode where it wraps up before the op and they're like all right let's meet again in one week and then the op happens and they come back and they're like one week later i'm like yes (laughs) Yes. I did not want to see. Yeah. That, yes. I did not that want to see that good. week. I wanted to get right back into the into Here's the, the fight. So one, I mean, there's one thing and... that I think would have made it better if they did a whole episode not just on reflecting on like how Sirius got destroyed, but on his life before everything changed. Like you know, like yes. they, they talk. Yes. They, they go yeah, into the show really very slightly near the end, and it's like 
if I could have gotten yeah. more into, you know, who, what his relationships like with his brother, what is his relationships like with his family and his friends, and like how this whole world got destroyed, yeah. then I think I would have had a more, you know, a better emotional connection to the finale of the story. But we don't see that, and so yeah, it just is like, oh, I forgive you, even though I have no context for the pain that he had to go through. Uh, yes, yes. I, you know, the more you talk about it, the more I'm. I hate to say it, the more I'm perhaps being convinced by your argument, but I will say that it is the thing where watching that finale of Planet With just, you know, an hour ago, like, there's that part, right, where, not to get to, again, yes, you're, you're yeah, talking about the you're talking to... about the part with his brother, yeah. right, that conversation. I was like, like a good music comedy story, I was starting to feel that thing, you know, I, it was starting to well up in me, like I was starting to tear up a bit. It just wasn't long but enough for me. But then it it's not it's not enough right like if you had a whole episode about that like yeah like because there's the thing Mizukami does know how to get the waterworks going he knows how to evoke tragedy in this very relatable you know way and again i think it's like again i don't i guess my issue with planet with is that planet with planet with is good in all the ways that Mizukami stories are good and it's bad in all the kind of ways that Mizukami himself could not have affected like I don't. I mean, I don't want to like be like, oh, you know, fuck JC staff. Like, you know, they they destroyed a good story. But I guess in many ways, like, a lot of Planet Width's problems do come down to everybody else, for better or worse. Other than the other than the composer, the composer and Mizukami, you guys did a great <laughs> did job. Jobs. Everybody else. Yeah. Uh, um. All right. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe just maybe. I, this. Before before we finish, I just want to say, like, Planet With is good. Like, it's way better than any of us thought it would be, right? I guess, yes, like, it is a good this show. Is another more, like, My Hero yeah, Academia, yeah. where it was not good to that extent, but it, you could see the potential so clearly, and it failed yeah, it so I, much I guess, for me. I, I feel like it's probably my second favorite show of the season, and, like, even taking into account all the flaws we have noted, like... I still feel like it, it's it was a it was an incredibly good surprise to me at least. Yeah, I I guess for me, I I don't again. You're right. Comparing this to like, for example, Gurren Lagann is uh, absurd and unfair. But it's the thing where again, not and not as bad as Golden Kamui, but it's a similar it's a similar situation as Golden Kamui where I see Planet Width's potential. Like I truly unironically think that if Planet Width's technical aspects matched its story, I feel like this would be the premier mecha anime of the decade that people are talking about. Like, this would be my anime of the year. This is the mecha anime that would, you know, finally replace Gurren Lagann at the top of like, at the top of that, at the top of that like hierarchy, you know? It's because it does so many things right. It's it, it, it does almost everything narratively right. It just needed more of it, and it needed to be executed better. And I feel like that's almost more tragic than a show that's just bad. I mean, like, I, I, if Planet Width was just bad, like at least I can write it off, but seeing I, like where it could have gone. I, I mean, I feel like I see where it could have gone a lot, but like the way, the places I see where it could have gone are what if we had more time to expand on these this story? What if we had more time to build up these characters? Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're talking to me, like the production issues to me are maybe ten percent of the ninety percent of the show. Yeah. You know, like if you if you increased if you increased 
like if you gave it better animation it might become 10 percent better but if you gave it twice as many episodes it might become 80 percent better you know like that's where i stand on it at least right. you know like for me the, sure. the wasted potential is in is in the lack of story time yeah, not I, necessarily I, the i do respect that but it is why i wanted to bring that up back when we were talking about series the jaeger that I yeah. like if you right like budget like playing with his themes. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, okay, right. Series the Jaeger is obviously much less story, you know, heavy, right? Like, like playing with is good because of its story, but also I think it would be great, you know, if yeah, it certainly wouldn't ha- wouldn't hurt. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, it, like, I think to like really be the the show that we would want it to be, both of those things would have to happen. We would need we would need the yes. improved. Yeah visual technological execution and we, and we would need more time with both of those things then we could not only be talking about anime of the year you know that might be you know one of our you know that might actually you know find a place in history somewhere you know that we'd still be talking about planet with years later yeah right no you, you're absolutely right it's not it's not one or the other you know it, it's yeah. both yeah i i guess i just want to cap this off with saying i i think though as his debut anime work i think mizukami you know, he did a great job considering the restrictions he had to work within. And I really hope this is only the beginning of his anime writing career. That. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going, where I hope this is, I mean, I feel like this is done enough to prove that he can do an anime and hopefully somebody will t- take notice. Cause even if he's not like kind of more of a cult favorite, I, there are, I'm sure there are people in the industry who know his name and uh, are keeping an eye on him. So Here's hoping, you know, maybe they'll call up Suramaki or something. <laughs> Hashtag free Suramaki. And uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll get another shot at a project. So um, as for this, though, maybe not quite up to the potential. Still good. But, uh, you know, left some opportunity on the table, unfortunately. All right. So we're going to move along then to our last show, which I thought was finishing this week. But I guess since the, the delay from the uh the earthquake uh um the, the show is delayed last week it's going to be bumped into next week the finale but uh hanibato uh mm-hmm. man they're really dragging out the the resolution of this to the very last minute yes here. yes so much are. of our i feel like so much of our final opinion of this show is going to rest on the outcome of this like last match between Ayano and nagasa yes and yes they are pushing it to the last minute they've they've finally this week started addressing the problems with Ayano and her mother and that they're both being terrible people but they haven't gotten to a resolution yet they've brought it up but they have not and they're but they're dragging out the resolution until next week and i still have some pretty major concerns about where they're going with all this agreed agreed it's how do i even want to put this uh hanabato is just all over the place man it's i want to love it for how ambitious it is but i just cannot forgive how its story has played out here in the end like it has rightfully called out its worst players, you know, the, the worst behaviors of its characters. But it's only done it in, what, the penultimate episode, and it does it with such a light touch that it barely feels like they're condemning it at all. You know, there's that bit at the very end of this episode where, like, 
you know, fucking Iono's like, you all hate me, right? You want Nagisa to win. And then it's like a fucking sports cliche where everybody's like starts clapping and cheering for Iono. And they're like, no, you can do it. Like, we're rooting for you. And it's like, so we're just going to ignore <laughs> like all of the like really shitty, like, like frankly, really cruel things you yes. have said like to your own teammates and other players like the way you have been like completely disrespectful of your fellow players we're just going to ignore that and we're also going to ignore like when your mother is just like oh i had to abandon my child because it would make her a stronger yeah, bad that i player. think was it's way like, worse how how do you justify this at all how can any <laughs> character hear that 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 explanation be like ah i see you're a tough but fair parent. No, like Ayano's mother <laughs> might actually be in the running for like worst anime parent of all time. Like, like, like she shares that. She sits at the same fucking table as Show Tucker. Like, <laughs> fucking Ayano's mom is a is is a fucking piece of shit. Is what she is. Like, <laughs> yeah. When she and that when, nobody is like calling her out on it is kind of absurd. When she's like, when she's like. Oh, I might be a terrible mother, but I'm like, no, no, but you're just a terrible no, no mother, buts. <laughs> right? Like, you're the the fact like, that they're like, and I don't, I do, I'm worried with that one because I feel like they're trying to, they're going to try to justify it because she she gives the whole are. thing like, you know, when she gives the speech about how all these you know moments where she's fighting and you know. Be, and and all the lessons she's learning from trying to be a better badminton player, how those are important. It's like, yeah, sure, you know, like teamwork is learning teamwork is cool and all, but you know what's also cool? Having a mother. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like and... it's like that that I like those are good lessons to want to teach your kid, but that's not how you teach there's people don't do that. That's not how you teach you don't you don't just like run out and fucking... not only run out, but go get another daughter. <laughs> Right, right. Like, like, like tough love, like tough love is like maybe not giving your kid what she wants because in the long run, you know, you don't want to spoil her. Tough love is not literally leaving the country and adopting a new badminton player to be your new surrogate daughter because in some like a banal, like absurd, like, like, like mental process, this will make your first daughter a better badminton player like i you guys are really wanting to, to make me watch this show like this sounds <laughs> fabulously over the top but the problem is like maybe it is but it treats this all with like a deadly self-seriousness no it is very serious on this part of it yes and um and i guess the problem and the problem is also we can't really give this show a good verdict because so much of how we eventually finally feel on Hanabato comes down to how its last episode ends because here's the thing like the way this show the, the way this episode was shaping up I thought oh shit are they actually gonna have Nagisa win this match because that could actually like finally be the lesson that Ayano needs to learn but then that swerve at the very end of this episode where suddenly Ayano is the challenger and everybody's rooting for her and now Nagisa is the is the champ that needs to be destroyed it's like oh shit are they going to reverse this again like is it going to be like something where like i know wins and that teaches her how to like be human again or something i don't like i, I know i'm being biased here because nagisa hits all my fucking check marks but like also i just think that for the sake of the story to like live up to the message it's trying to deliver i do feel like she has to win this match because if she doesn't then 
all of Hanabato's thematic messages get thrown out the window. You know, I have to wonder what if I had if I had to place a bet. I wonder if they're gonna do like Nagisa blows her knee out and the match ends at a tie or something. Right, like I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe they're gonna do something where it's like twenty twenty, and her knee blows out and the coach throws in the towel I, or I like. Would... I'm just going to point out that that is the exact way that a badminton match ends in Goodnight Pumpan, and it doesn't end well after that. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> someone blows out their knee and forfeits the match, and well, they've been real bad. They've been they've been uh, foreshadowing that for like the past five episodes, so something's going to yeah. happen. They wouldn't have brought yeah, it up. Because if... They keep hinting at it, right? Like, even in this episode, right, where like, it might be an she's kind of like, she's kind of like starting to get the engine running and like going back into like what she's good at with like the aerial smashes that are like, you know, super but strength. Show her, you know, gritting her teeth as she yeah. pivots on the knee and stuff like that. Like speaking of like, a... I do. Yeah. It's only a matter of time, but I do want to say, man, for everything that's happened to that studio because of the earthquake and such, like show like the matches, it's the match itself still looks pretty fucking great. Like it almost makes yeah. me wonder if like, they had just gotten a lot of this done already. You know, the way that like anime production works, you know, maybe they, they did a lot of this stuff like up front because they knew it was important. I, I like, think they it still did. looks remarkably decent. They did loop. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a footage, not in the match yes. itself, but in general for the episode, I did notice yeah, there are a couple shots that are repeated, but like, it's like the knee shot is used twice, but I think for the most part, yeah. like it's a good looking sports match. It's a good looking I... sports anime, you know, finale. I am glad they're getting to finish it because, from what I understand, their like photography studio or whatever was basically destroyed in the earthquake. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, we were we weren't even sure if it was going to be back for for you know right. this week at this because point. like you know because that anime uses so much you know rotoscoping like a photography studio is actually uh, quite uh, important to their production process. But yeah, I guess it's. Uh, that's a thing, right? Like in these last, ep- in this very, you know, most recent episode, Hanabato is starting to course correct. But if it does not go all the way through, then yeah, like this show just it, it is sitting on that razor's edge between like <laughs> my biggest surprise of the season and my biggest disappointment because it, it's it's crazy how much is riding on like the like as far as final opinion the last episode. Like I'm ha- I'm having yeah. trouble thinking of another recent example where my mind pretty much wasn't already made up until. Right. And I, I think even if they do go the full course correction and Nagasa wins and we get everything we want, there's still going to be a lot of, like we were saying before, asterisks. I oh, think. totally, totally. Because uh, the way they got there was not entirely yeah. satisfactory. But it'll be a huge difference between, depending on how they handle it, the final. Yes. Like, like if they go, if you know, there are still routes they could go where, you know, in the worst case scenarios where we are very angry and swearing off the show forever and wishing it never oh, existed. Oh, totally. Yes. Oh. I mean, <laughs> that's the problem, right? I mean, here's the thing, right? Like a good, a good sports match in a sports anime makes even the viewer feel the stakes. Like it makes even the viewer wants to feel like, oh man, it has to go this way. If it goes the other way, like, you know, I can't even like, I can't even consci- consciously imagine it. But usually that's within like within the context of the narrative itself. Whereas Hanabato has put itself in the very uncomfortable position where the entire our entire perception of this <laughs> show hinges on that match, which is maybe not a place you want to take your show because 
I mean, it is kind of exciting. Oh yeah, totally. Like <laughs> it's been a very long time. Yeah, it's it's been a very long time since I've watched a sports anime where I'm like, fuck, like I need this match to go one way because if it goes the other, like this show is dead to me. <laughs> but yeah. you know, we we'll see. I guess you know. Unfortunately, we'll have to wait until next week. So you know, we'll just uh, yeah have to hope for the best. I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe there is something to be said for the fact that we even still care at this point. Totally, totally. Is, you know, I mean, honestly, as someone looking in from the outside, like I'm kind of astonished that people are invested in this anime, considering it looked like like a super generic titty sports anime to begin with. So I think that's a minor victory in its own right. Right. Oh, totally. Like Hanabaro the anime is so ambitious. Like I've said it before, but I feel like Hanabaro the anime is. It is very much, it almost feels like it is intentionally aiming for that ping pong crown, like, like, like aiming for that tier of sports anime that goes beyond just like exciting sports spectacle, but veers directly into like, you know, top tier character drama. But, you know, whereas the thing, the difference though, is that ping pong also kind of started off very rough, like, or not rough, but ping pong also started in a similar position of purposely making you really dislike its characters and not enjoy watching them. And in some ways, you know, looking back in retrospect, and also because it was Yuasa directing, you realize that all of that was entirely intentional. But the thing with ping pong, the animation is it makes that turn by episode like seven, like by episode seven, both of the characters have been called out on their shitty behavior. Both of them have been forced to confront like their worst, you know, traits. And like both have the, both of them get like systematically broken down by their respective mentors and like built up again to become, you know, the better the best players they can be. The problem is and so like once that moment happens in ping pong from like episode seven or eight or wherever it is, like the rest of ping pong feels like this triumphant victory lap where it's now finally just getting to see these players like be in their elements being the best they can be and it's really satisfying whereas hanabato is doing that in its final episode hmm. which is a much more precarious place to do it doesn't leave you much time for a redemption arc really no. right like there is no like that's the thing even if nagisa wins and ayano realizes that losing is not everything and that like actually her mother's just a piece of shit and that like she can find love in more valid like and healthy places we don't have any time left to work with that. Like, even if she gets redeemed, so what? Like, she has like five, ten minutes left to like. Right, we're gonna get a. I don't know, a two-minute montage of the team hanging out at the beach somewhere or something, right? Like, and, and, and that's, and <laughs> right. all the credits. Um, yeah, like. Yeah, they should have started, and it's not like it's not like they didn't have the time. Like, they they burned a lot of episodes on like side stories and characters that, like, in a bubble, the episodes themselves, like, like the. Uh, the one with the two boys on the team where they, you know, they have their kind of final yeah. moment or whatever. Like the episode itself was fine, but I don't want to see that. Totally. Like we don't have time for that. We have to, we should be right. developing these themes and the characters more for this final conflict. It's, and we could have, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good episode in a 26 episode sports anime, right? but not a 13 episode one. Right. So man, I, does that, I don't know. Well, we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see yeah. what happens next week. And yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, I almost feel like 
whenever is our next podcast, like the next Glorious Chat podcast. Like, we just have to mention. Uh... I almost feel like we'll, we'll we'll need to like we'll need our five minutes with Hanabato to just like finish that off. Air, yes, air our thoughts on that. I guess yeah, we'll but, see. So, all right, yeah. So uh, that's gonna do it. Kind of do it for the anime side before we wrap up. We did want to just do a common uh, writer update. So Zig, uh, we switched shows somewhere between the last podcast, right? That's correct. Yes, we are now into uh, a new show, which is kind of a big deal because it only happens once a year. Uh, this is Carmen Rider Zo now, which is uh, it's it's kind of a big thing for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because we know that the Japanese Emperor will be resigning this time next year. Uh, this will be the last Heisei era Carmen Rider show. Uh, it's also the twentieth Heisei era Carmen Rider show. And so, like, they've made it into, like, a big crossover celebration. Uh, so it's going to have... It's got, like, Zio, who is the Kamen Rider, but then it's going to have all 19 of the previous uh, Heisei-era Kamen Riders as well, going all the way back to the year 2000. That sounds ambitious. Yeah, and that's kind of a problem. Because, see, like, they've they've decided to theme this one around time travel. And... Uh. As anybody who has written anything ever knows, time travel is a really powerful plot device, but it's also really hard to get in, like, to keep under control because you need to make sure that everything is like very carefully, like, documented through cause and effect. If that makes sense, otherwise you get plot holes popping up all over the place. Common Rider is not a particularly sophisticatedly written show to begin with. And <laughs> already, like, we're only three episodes in and they've kind of, like, shit to bed every direction possible Oof. already. Like, one of the major problems is Common Rider has just not been very good for the past couple of years. Before you leave your angry comments telling me that XA got good, <laughs> I don't care. Like, it was bad for about, like, I... 10 to 15 episodes. So Yeah, yeah like, I guess... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I guess for me, yeah. it's like the way you're talking about it, Zig, it sounds like, it kind of sounds like this project is a big deal. Like, you almost think that, isn't this, you know, the 20th and final common writer of the Heisei era? Like, isn't this the project where you pull out all the stops, where you, like, get your A-team, like, your A-team writers on it, you know, the best, you know, the biggest budget, the high, you know, the, you know, your best choreographers, you know, they I make mean, this a huge celebration of the era, this era of common writer. I mean, the problem is, like, when when Toei does these kind of things, like, yes, they make a big deal out of it, but they don't necessarily make a big deal out of it by increasing the quality of oh, the product. Oh, right. This is Toei. Right. The Toei that made Sailor Moon Crystal and Dragon Ball Super. Ah, yeah. never mind, dude. You're fucked. Like, this project's... <laughs> so, so the, the problem is, firstly, that like these shows are produced like on such a conveyor belt and so near to the knuckle that like the the idea of like coordinating everything into a massive crossover is already super complex like these things are being filmed like four or five weeks tops before air date so it's it's already really difficult in that regard and also like ultimately you know common Rider is a show for kids and that means that there's only so complex you can get and that, like, additional time spent on better writing or better special effects could, in <laughs> fact, be spent on additional merchandising. So, like, don't get me wrong. The reason why every Heisei-era Kamen Rider is showing up, and, 
let's put it this way like the the 70s and 80s ones are going to show up as well there is no question <laughs> about that they will appear um is is so you can sell more toys basically i and guess also okay. sorry sorry go, go ahead uh, well, okay i, I guess just... it's also <laughs> you go first cut this out joe um I... that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself because like you know it's it's its purpose is to sell toys, you know, like that there have been good Carmen Rider shows that were incredibly merchandise driven before. But the problem is that in the last couple of years, Toei has had a problem where like the Carmen Rider shows have prioritized merchandising over even basic coherence of plot. And oh, that's, good. Become, that's become an increasingly large problem and it will only become bigger. And to double up on that, uh, there's history here because for the 10th anniversary of the uh, of the Heisei Kamen Rider series, um, Toei produced a show called Kamen Rider Decade, um, which was a massive crisis crossover between the last 10 Kamen Rider. Um, and how did shows. that go? It was a disaster. <laughs> uh, like, oh, I, no. that's not to say that it didn't have some redeeming features, like there were occasional cool bits. And it was fun to see like, um, like some old suits and old monsters come back and stuff. But the story was just a complete and utter failure. And here's the kicker: uh, that thing was a failure, and it explicitly tried to give itself an out by using alternate universe versions oh, of no. previous series, which means they didn't have to get back oh, boy. old actors and old like people. This time, they don't have that out by all apparent yeah. means, but you're not going to get back 20 years worth of, well, not 20, 18 years, but 20 series worth of of characters and actors. Right. That's the, possible. The thing I actually was interested in asking you, Zig, is, so there have been 20 common writers in the Heisei era, and this has gone, this has been going on since 2000, correct? Yes, yes. So the thing is, like, when any other long-running franchise or long-running anime franchise has an anniversary effect, you know, like if it's Gundam, it's like, oh, hey, guys, the the original Gundam showed up. It's pretty easy because it's a drawing. You can you can draw the original Gundam in 2018. For for this, which is live action, like, how realistic is it that they can get everybody they need to not for this you know absolutely so like it's been 18 years like a lot of those people probably have moved on like yeah i mean some some people don't act some people burnt their bridges with the franchise because they felt it typecast them you know and most difficult so without a doubt the most iconic rider of the modern era is carmen rider cougar who was the first because that's how it works you know he is the year 2000 Kamen Rider. Uh, he sure. was played by Joe Odagiri, who went on to become a legitimate movie star. He's actually like probably the biggest breakout star the Kamen Rider series has ever had. And so he has absolutely no interest in returning to the world <laughs> at all. Well. You know, like, they could, like they, Toei cannot even compete in his pay grade, even if his star has dimmed a little since he's like the biggest days. So like it's... This is why Decade used alternate universes because that way they could cast like new actors in old roles and like get around that problem. It hmm. wasn't ideal, mostly because the writing was terrible, but <laughs> but it was at least an out. And huh. so like the idea here seems to be that they're traveling backwards chronologically. Again, we're only at episode three, so this is all you know very tentative. Sure. But 
episode two was one of the worst episodes of television oh. I've seen in ages. <laughs> wow. and, like I watched all of Carmen Rider Build last year. Uh, so, so it's. But I'm so, sorry, like, I just keep throwing questions at you, no, Zeke. It, but I- I'm generally curious. But like, is is Common Rider and Toku in general similar to like VAs where it's a huge controversy if you replace the actor? No, like, not it, would it be a huge controversy if Common Rider Kuga shows up, but it's a different actor because, like, you know, what I if mean, you really need him for the story? Like, are you just going to write him out because you can't get the original actor? I mean, what would happen is you would have him show up in costume. Which right. is what they always do when the riders show up in crossover movies and they can't get the oh, original okay. actors. Is they just <laughs> they just have them show up in costumes and cast sound alikes. And again, because it's a kids show, it doesn't actually matter that much. It's not a controversy, but to me, to the adult fandom, and again, it's important to stress we are absolutely not the target audience. So this is just, <laughs> just a right. But that's thing. I just wanted to know, but, if like, to the you know to the hardcore fan base, does this stuff matter? Yes, it does. And I mean, like, and it's not impossible so for example for the 35th anniversary of super sentai um which was called uh kaizoku sentai gokaija um they legitimately went out and got one member of every team that had ever existed now that's much that's much easier because of course there are five plus people a team and you don't always need the red ranger though they did try but they they got one person from every team for dating back to 1976 now that's pretty impressive yeah you know um so i don't know but like and that show was great that show was like a huge crossover and it was great but you know the the general downward trajectory of the Kamen Rider series over recent years has been worrying and and again, like yeah, the was, opening to this was so distressingly bad. It was. I was asking earlier, like, what was the last good one? Like, was it Gaim or uh, was it? The last one I genuinely enjoyed was probably Drive, which was the series which came after Gaim, which was not as good as Gaim. Let, let's make it clear: Gaim is the only Kamen Rider show that is actually good in the conventional sense of like unconditionally good. Unconditionally, no, good. no asterisks. Good. I mean, even then, you need like a healthy sense of camp because it's still, sure, sure, still a kids, still kids show. But and... like, like, Gaim is the only Kamen Rider show where like there has actually been like a well-written, intelligently constructed plot. You know, like genuine character arcs that have gone up and down and up again. You know, I, hmm. do you think but... then like, what if for this, what if for this twentieth final Kamen Rider they had somehow convinced Urobuchi Yen to come back to write it. Like, would that have been good because he's a good writer, or would that have not fit, like, what should be the final common writer of I the mean, Heisei era? In this dream scenario, it would have been excellent because this thing is, like, a huge, like... It actually has some of Urobuchi's trademarks, you know, like, a huge, like, time-jumping crisis crossover that they're trying to prevent a bad future there's some terminator shit going on where they like go back in time to try and kill the evil overlord before he becomes the evil overlord so that actually would have been excellent you know but like the fact that they got urobuchi to write a carmen rider show at all is one of those astonishing things that i never thought would happen and clearly only happened because urobuchi wanted it to happen if that makes sense look yes, man i know. would say don't don't underestimate urobuchi all right he he also said about famous entry in the gundam franchise that uh he uh loved 
Jireko, so clearly Urobuchi is a man of fine taste, and you know, I mean, he can be depended on, upon for... <laughs> I mean, I feel like... I mean, didn't he, uh, didn't he also do Thunderbolt Fantasy, though? Was yes, that, that puppet. Oh, wait, that was also him. Right, yeah. so like, let's yeah. not say that Urobuchi is too good for this shit. Like, he no, clearly like but, will do but, this if he wants to. No, but... it's not that he's too good. It's that he dreamt about writing a Carmen Rider show, and then he wrote a Carmen Rider show, and, and right. he got it out of his system. Yeah, exactly. You oh, know, like it's yeah. not. It's not like he is regularly going to come back and work on Toei's pitiful payroll or anything like that. <laughs> You know, right. Let's make it clear they're not spending a lot of money on this shit. Um, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was similar to with the Thunderbolt fantasy thing. He just saw, oh, those puppet things are kind of cool. I wanted yeah, to like, do that. Like at the at the moment, Urobuchi is like well off enough, and his reputation established enough is that he he can take on purely passion projects, and I hugely admire that. You know, like right. he's doing what he wants to do, and it, no. it helped that Gaim was very good. And although I did not like Thunderbolt Fantasy, it clearly did not disgrace his name. People really like that show, you know. But the the thing I've always said about Carmen Rider shows is that they're almost always good by accident, if that makes sense. Like it's not, it's not the corporate mandate to make something that is a good show. The good show happens almost as a byproduct of the like the kid ah. merchandising juggernaut. And so, like, so Jim, like Gundam wrestling and fate. Yes, you know. <laughs> uh, I might question you about fate, but um, <laughs> well, Ero's not here to defend himself. But so. Like, so, like one of the extremely worrying signs is that like one of the things which makes Carmen Rider and like all Tokusatsu shows good is like actors who understand the kind of production they're in and you know can bring a spark to the material you know whether that is like being very serious or being very goofy you know or like knowing when to switch between the two and the acting in this new Kamen Rider is just absolutely terrible on every level like dang there's one guy who and like for anybody who's seen it I'm talking about was the mysterious future prophet who's like having fun you know he's playing it with a twinkle in the eye uh, which is what you need, you know, but everybody else is like the second rider who showed up in the first episode is just one of the most appalling performances I've <laughs> ever seen in like, uh, a piece like of Like even drama. by Toku standards, huh? Yeah. I, was I it mean, worse like, than the, uh, was it worse than the Red Ranger and uh, Lupin Ranger? Cause that, that was the worst. Thing uh, so he has improved considerably actually. Um, okay. And th- that's one of the things like that always <laughs> give you a little hope. This thing is because like, a these shows are a year long, and b they cast dudes who are basically like models or like straight out of school with no experience. Right, and so like they can improve. Like the the Red Ranger, Lupin Ranger has gotten maybe not good, but he has genuinely improved hugely. Well, over he, he had like, nowhere to go but up. So I mean, that was. <laughs> but no, like this guy, this guy's way Man. worse than that. Um, wow. Oh, so yeah, I don't see how that's like unless he had unless he was like holding the script in front of him and reading it. I don't see how it could have gotten much worse. But uh... anyway, so like and and like another problem with it is that like they're so busy filling the episodes with like fucking awful CGI. Ro- like you were complaining about the CGI robot fights in um, in Planet with G. You should see some of this stuff. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm almost might, curious now. I'm gonna provide <laughs> you. I will provide you a gift to put in the show notes, actually, Joe. Okay. Um, just to show you, like, uh, and again, bad special effects have always been part of the charm of Toku, but. 
there is a way like the the entire premise of Toku operates on the idea that you can be stylishly bad. You know, that's what camp is. You know, like when you see people like fucking somersaulting over the camera, you know that's stupid, but it's kind of cool as well. <laughs> you know, but here like it's just an avalanche of bad CGI and extremely lame finishing attacks. And it's it's really worrying because like the, like I said, Carmen Rider has been bad for a few years now and and it continues to be bad. And and that's concerning, you know. And I think there needs to be like a root and branch. Um, is it? Yeah, reboot. I was gonna say, is it time to? Because because Common Rider took a long break on like Super Sentai, right? Is it time to put it to bed for a while, or do they just need to get some new not, staff in or something? Not I don't know. Like, Shake it up a little. I mean, I don't, I don't think there will ever be another break like the like the uh, big break between the show and Heiseiers, which was eleven years minus a few. Um, movies like it just makes too much money now you know like but after the last after the 10th anniversary show they did like they went back to the drawing board and radically shook up the the way that the shows worked you know and the first couple of years of that post like it was like a soft reboot but like the first couple of years of that Kamen Rider Double, Kamen Rider O's, Kamen Rider Forza were like some of the best Carmen Rider shows ever. They were like really good. Um, like Forza is the one that was written by the Goon Regan writer as well, which helps. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm not really bringing this up to make a point because it, it's way too early to tell again because because these things are so long, you, they need a little bit longer to judge. But it's really worrying and it disappoints me a lot. You know, Um but it's also part of the rise and fall. Like, part of the thing is that, like, back when, back during Gaiman Drive, when Kamen Rider was good, Super Sentai was extremely bad. And now Kamen Rider's bad, Super Sentai has gotten really good again. So maybe Toei just doesn't have enough, uh, doesn't have enough resources to commit to both at the same time. We'll, have well to yeah, maybe, maybe next era, you know, the change of Kamen Rider will start get fresh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's a chance for a fresh. All right, start. well. You know, we did do our deep dive podcast uh, episode on Toku. If anybody wants to go back and listen to that for more general uh, <laughs> thoughts of general thoughts about how that all works, but uh, yeah, kind of disappointing, I guess, that the new show is not uh, does not not off to a good start. But I mean, for what it's worth, Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger is extremely good at the moment, right? And that's. That's still running, right? For yes. a while. Uh, they have just combined the two robots into one robot that is called Good Cool Kaiser. So, yeah, all right. Things are going great, is what I'm saying. Pretty good. All right. So, um, on that note, we will uh, end our wrap up and uh, Toku update <laughs> uh, there. Uh, thank you guys for being on. Marlon had to bail a little bit early. He had another uh, obligation that he had to go to. So thank you, Marlon, when you loop back around to this. Uh, we'll do our housekeeping. You can read uh, read everything we write at theglorioblog.com. Follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. Uh, you know, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes or uh, you know wherever you get podcasts. We're also on YouTube, which, uh, again, we cannot have a nice URL until we get 100 subscribers. So make sure you get on that. <laughs> You can check out, uh, you know, both this podcast and Legend of the Glorio Heroes with G and Iroh. 
as they uh, journey through the sea of stars and cover the. Yeah, we got a we got a real uh, humdinger of an episode coming up. You know, uh, we're gonna be talking about episode fifteen. Yeah, I think by the time. <laughs> let me tell you. Go ahead, G. Oh, just let me tell you, man, she gets real. Yes, I mean. I'm I'm just hoping you continue your extremely strong header image episode title game because they have all been really good so far. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Ma- MacBook of the Empire was my favorite, but uh, I yeah, I liked the one that was just the kid kicking the other kid in the balls. <laughs> you know, it's it's a joint effort between you know me and Eero. Like I tend to pick the images, he tends to find the uh, come up yeah. with the uh, the taglines the for the episodes. That so. uh. You know, you do, do uh, the, we'll keep it. We'll keep that. Due to the crazy scheduling and recording schedule, as we're all been super busy this month, uh, that will actually be out by the time this episode's out. So, yeah, I just realized that as well. So, uh, <laughs> you, uh, uh, look forward to uh, the next episode of Legend of the Glory Hero, where I'm sure episodes 16 through 18 are also pretty crazy. So uh, uh, look forward to that. 16 through 18 are amazing, but uh, the yeah, yeah. So, Fuck you. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm ahead. I'm sorry, everyone. I couldn't help it. All right. So uh, that's good. Check out that show. Legend of Galactic Heroes. The original OVA is amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that'll do it. We'll catch everybody soon for the first looks. See you later. Take it easy. <laughs>